Hello, welcome to Skull RPG Podcast. My name is Dwight Skull. My name is Jacob Skull. And today we're going to teach you how to tell, tell your, your story. story. So Matt and Dwight, there's one thing that you guys do really well that a lot of DMs struggle with, which is how to keep everybody engaged when you guys split the party. Well, we never split the party per se. <laughs> the party chooses to split. Although typically I give them good reason to do it, like time constraints and things of that nature. But regardless... Um, the thing I'll just do in brief, and then I'll let Matt, uh, give his two cents. The thing that I think you have to keep in mind when you split the party is that you have half the party, or even, even if you have a thing where the rogue is going and scouting ahead, now you have one person versus everybody else, or you have two versus two or something like that. Regardless, you have a good chunk of people sitting there doing nothing and technically, anything that's learned in that other side is out-of-game knowledge and should not be used by the other side. So in order to stop everybody from pulling out their phones and playing whatever the newest craze <laughs> game is for 20, 30 minutes, what I like to do is, as quickly as possible, get the one side of characters to a cliffhanger, a climax, uh, some sort of like, okay, and then... All the guards jump out at you. Okay, we're going to hold there, and I'm going to go to the next side. Giving them time to think about what their next actions are with the scenario you just gave them as you throw the other side. You're going into combat, so why don't you as some wizard-type people start figuring out what the book looks like to you? Because I don't (laughs) want to sit here and do combat for 80 years while half of the party is doing nothing. And to be fair, I've done this before, where we've done a round of combat and then moved to the other side of the party. Because... Again, I don't want... Combat is the worst thing in terms of time. Yes. Um, and I don't want seven people... And it's not really. It's only like five people in our gaming group. But I don't <laughs> want four through to three other people just sitting there doing nothing for an hour while we play through combat. So if I am doing combat, I try to make the combat easy. Real quick and easy. Now, there may be some constraints. Like, you need to take these guys out quietly. Yes. So probably a fireball or a lightning bolt spell is not the best way to go. Yes. But... That's kind of how I do it. Yeah. So an- another way, how I tend to do party splits is is I I do quick jumps between the two groups. Right. So so you have I, I typically will you know I will sit there and I'll, I'll look at the one player and I'll say okay so what are you doing in this situation and we'll go through a minute or two of of play with them and then I'll immediately be like okay so hold up a second and then I'll look and, and then and then I will I'll look to the other group of people and I'll be like okay so here's where you are at what are you doing I mean, how I mean so your friend just w- went away and it's been a couple minutes and you know he was supposed to be back in five minutes or an hour or whatever how, what are your actions and because you're building this tension of something went wrong with the other person. They don't know what's going on, but your friend just left. You have, you have to do something. Exactly. And then, and then, I, or nothing, I guess. You can sit and say, I'm going to wait for another hour. Okay, well, then I'm going to go back to the other player. Yeah. But by doing these quick jumps between the two groups, you're building storyline that, that builds upon each other, but, and you're keeping them engaged by, by keeping, you, you know, together. I mean, like, like, you, they're together but apart, and and you're building two separate stories. But you have to have to at the session. You have to make sure that that you're jumping between them fairly quickly. 
Well, and then you also have to figure out your uh, joining methodology as well, right? Exactly. Where, um, so depending on, and their actions do matter. So, you know, your actions could get one part of the party captured. Exactly. And that becomes problematic because what is the captured person doing? I've stripped you of all your weapons and items and you're in a jail that you probably can't get out of. Yep. What are you doing? Uh, looking at the ceiling. Yep, that's pretty much it. And so I try to avoid, I try to avoid that scenario because I can see it coming up, right? Where yes, the rogue has gone too far and has been discovered, yep. and combat ensued. And instead of just killing the rogue like a good DM should, and I'm not really thinking you should, but like a good, <laughs> like what might normally happen, they decide to to capture yep. the person, and now you got a captured person yep. who's doing nothing. Yep. And so I try to avoid that if at all possible, um, you know, and, and look, what I would like to do is if that's what's going to, if that scenario is going that way, right, where the rogue makes a really horrible high check. Yes. Then what I might do is I might have a stupid guard say something like, hey, look, there's somebody over there. Yeah. And so while that seems like a really dumb thing, like a, a, a smart thing for the guard to do is to call attention, it gives the rogue the opportunity to realize, I need to run. Yeah. So, like, I'm not going to go fight four guys. I'm just going to get out of here. Yeah. And then and then, you, then you tie that into, oh, the rogue's in a chase scene. Yes. You, you play a couple rounds of the chase scene, and then you say... Hold up! You're still in the chase scene, but I need to jump back into this into with the other players. And then the rogue is like uh, sitting on the edge of a seat. Oh crap! My my I, my tension is not resolved. Yes, which is the other advantage. And now looking at okay, what's he going to throw at me next? Exactly. Is there some? Because the nice thing with the chase scene too is giving them some opportunity to think. Do I have an item that would help? Yep. Because let's say the let's say the rogue has a flask of alchemist fire, and you're not in a wooded area. No. They could just throw that alchemist fire behind them, which would lead to some sort of delay. Yep. From yep. the guards, because they got to go around it. Yep. Or, or maybe they got to put it out because the city might start on fire. Yep. Or, or maybe you are a rogue and you don't care. It's like I'm in a wooded area. Or yep. potion of spider climb allows them to quickly get, get up into places and have a handful of minutes just to get to a place where they can't chase. But, exactly. But they're still engaged with the game because they're thinking about their tension. The next step. Yeah. And then, but and then the rest of the party is like, "Oh crap, th- this is going on." Yes. And then and, and it ratchets up their tension too. But you have to to make sure that they're not reacting directly to that. Because what you'd have to do then is, um, was the guard that loud? Yeah. Right. So if you were in a desolate area and you're like in a woods at night or in the day or something like that, is there a lot of noise going on? Okay, well, why don't you all roll a listen or some sort of perception check? I'm going to give you like minus 10 against it because they're really far away and they're, you know, or maybe I'm not because they're, it's like they just went and scouted up in a dungeon and mm-hmm. the echoing of the walls is going to let you know something happened. So it's like you're alerted to a lot of commotion in front. And at which point the players can go, well, there's only one reason why there's a lot of commotion. Yeah. Is because we need to get up there now. Yeah. But if you're out in an area, like a wide open area, like you're spying on an encampment, you know, you're listening for something very specific. You might take a lot of negatives. They may not hear anything. At which point you're like, okay, hey, make me all listen checks. Okay, you guys don't hear anything out of the ordinary. Go back to the rogue. Yeah. All right, what are you doing? Yeah. I'm continuing to run. Or I'm throwing down this alchemist fire. Or I'm going to activate my boots of spider climbing and I'm going to go up a tree. Yeah. Cool, that's helpful. Do that. Now we go back. Do you say anything? Yeah, I'm yelling for help. 
Cool. Back to the other ring. Hey, make me a listen check now. And I'm going to take, I'm going to be like, he's yelling for help. That's some pluses, even though he's far away. So maybe it's only a minus five now. Or, or as he's running through, he's disturbing the camp. And then suddenly there's lots of people screaming, hey, what's going on? Which means that the player's like, oh, he got found out. Exactly. We're going to start moving toward it. Yeah. And, and you try to tie those in. Now, on the other hand, I ha- I actually ran a game where Dwight was one of the players and a, and a friend of ours, Michael, was was the other player. Yes. And it was just the two of them. And it was a, a game where throughout the ent- almost the entire campaign, they were separated. Well, we were playing Vampire the Masquerade and he chose to be a Malkavian and I chose the, the proper class, which is Venture. <laughs> and uh, no, I don't think I was a Venture on that one. Wait. No, you were a Venture. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. The proper class. So you can hear my bias. I'll get hate mail for that, too. Uh, but the thing was, because we had different spheres of influences and because the Venture is doing pol- politics and the Malkavians being a Malkavian, which, if you don't understand that, uh, Venture are politics. Malkavians are crazy because that's what vampire vampirism did to them. And so, yeah, you were playing an entire game where I would do a bunch of stuff to set things in motion. He would do stuff to set things in motion in a totally different way. And we would then kind of weave across each other's path. So yeah. kind of like a double helix DNA. It's like we're very far apart. And then we yeah. come together for a half a second. And then we fall apart again. Yeah. And then we come back together for a half a second. And it was a really intriguing game because I had no backup. Yeah. I mean, and, except the backup I brought myself. Yeah. And and but and it, and I would and that's where the concept of you have to take limited time with each player, right. you know, because it came into to effect where where I would spend three or four minutes w- with yep. Dwight and yep. then three or four minutes with Michael. And and it I, helped. It and, helped. Yeah. Because it would give us time to think about our next move. And mine were very politically based and his were very crazy. <laughs> and so, but since neither one of us are in politics or crazy, um, although some I might argue with the other guy, but anyway, but, but <laughs> I wouldn't, but some might. But regardless, we'd have to take time to figure out how to role play our character. Yeah. And having that extra three or four minutes on key decisions was helpful. And I mm-hmm. thought brought the game more into uh, a balance. Yeah. And that, that really only, I think, especially a, a long-term game like that where the party is split so much of the time i think really would be is really only done well with a with a with a limited exactly a limited number of players yeah because because if you take i mean if you had it with four people you'd go nuts yeah because 15 minutes is way i mean you know that's the problem with combat and D &D, um at least old school D D. Was it would take by the time if five people are playing by the time it got back around to you it had been fifteen minutes. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's been the biggest issue with it, and that's what's caused most of the problems with the gaming, which is why D and D five and others like try to take the combat system and simplify it quickly because it's like you know no one wants to sit around for a quarter of their life waiting yes. for somebody else. We don't like yes. to stand in lines, and why yeah. am I going to go play a game where I'm just standing yeah. in a line waiting for my turn? Exactly. And that's so. why you have... I mean, this is a, a core concept of being a GM, is you have to be able to keep the players engaged. And yeah. and and time is, one, is the biggest factor in that. You have to let every player do something every few minutes. Yep. You know, or, or at least... 
have have part of the story going on that they are actively wanting to know that they care about. Exactly, you have to have yep. something to hook them every few minutes. An easiest have- way to do that is in, is having their character being affected by actions. Hey, thanks for listening. And for more resources, please go to skullrpg.com.